This is Tom Bernard. Can't get enough of sports talk with Phil Mackey and Judd Zolgad? Tune in to the new Tom Bernard Show podcast Monday through Friday as Phil and Judd join me to discuss the latest sports headlines and whatever else comes to mind. Just download the Tom Bernard Show app wherever you get your podcasts or visit TomBernardShow.com. It's another way to get more from me and Judd talking sports and having fun with Tom, and it's all at your fingertips. Download the Tom Bernard Show app now and join the conversation. You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Okay, Pat, it's Royce Unchained, presented by Josh Arnold, investment consultant, Mr. Money Talk, and another big win for the Gophers last night. Pat, they sit, so right now, the Gophers are 17-9, and nine. they're 8-7 mm-hmm. and seven in conference, with a handful of conference games to go. They're, they're a lot closer to being in the dance than we all probably thought like three months ago, we can put it that way. I thought they they said last night though they're still like seventy third or something like that. So um, you you probably got to get what forty ish to uh, you know. I mean sometimes they take teams on the way they're playing at the end. The trouble with saying they've won seventeen is that the, the non conference schedule yeah. was so awful. But that said, from a distance of Fort Myers. That seemed like the liveliest barn of the year that I've watched. There was downstairs was pretty well full this time. You couldn't, and it went back a little further. And there were, they actually showed some people sitting upstairs. I don't know what they called the crowd, but, uh, and I think, you know, I'm Elijah Hawkins has the ability to drive me a little crazy once in a while when he has that three, four-minute meltdown. Last yeah. night, he was terrific. That's the best game I've seen him play. I haven't seen them all, but in big games against Big Ten opponents, I thought that was the most consistently terrific that he played. Now, he's certainly been an asset for a team that has uh, struggled with their guard play for a couple of years. But the interesting thing in true Tom Thibodeau fashion, yes. uh, Ben Johnson played seven <laughs> guys last night. Oliver Joseph didn't get off the bench, and uh, Einan didn't get off the bench. They only played seven guys, uh, but I, they thought uh, they played really good. The This time, the late-game meltdown lasted 30 seconds instead of three minutes, so uh, that, was, yeah. that was an improvement. Ohio State for having those big guys and everything, it's terrible on the boards though. The Gophers just, they beat them to every loose ball. They beat them to every contestant rebound. They, uh, you know, they were just, uh, they were, they're a step quicker getting everywhere. Uh, and you know, the one kid, the guard, uh, what's his name? He got 20 some second half. He lit it up, but you know, Ohio state's got some athletes and battle was terrific. And, uh, you know, shooting the ball, just shooting the ball. But uh, the Gophers, again, you know what's really helped? Uh, the last two games, uh, Pharrell Payne has been allowed to play his game without having tic-tac fouls called on him. And, uh, you know, when he's in there, 
He is. Uh, I thought Jeff Settles, who was a TV guy, the former Iowa player, yeah, who had the uh, problem of playing against the Gophers when they were good. You know, yep. he made a great reference to Pharrell Payne as being a throwback to Courtney James and John Thomas when oh, they used man. to beat the crap out of them. And I'll never forget, you know, some of the guys that John Thomas, six nine, short for a center. But uh, he, there were some guys in the Big Ten bigger than him that he just pummeled, and uh, just he by was a house. Phys- just by being physical. And uh, Pharrell Payne, uh, Pharrell Payne is a throwback to Courtney James. There's no doubt about it. Yeah, okay. A couple things off this. So on Elijah Hawkins, you bring up the Tom Thibodeau reference. It is funny how we've just gotten, and, and he's been playing a lot of minutes throughout the whole season, but. We've gotten to the point now where he's just going to play forty minutes. So he Did he, he played forty. Last he played thirty nine. They gave him they gave him a huff. Yeah. Uh, I can't remember when they took him out, but they, he right. was out there for thirty nine. He played all forty against Rutgers in their previous win. Yeah. So he yeah. and then in their previous two wins before that, thirty nine and thirty eight minutes. <laughs> so he's he's just going to play the whole game. <laughs> I tried to look that up immediately after the game, but the ESPN box score doesn't include minutes for colleges. So I. And I didn't stay up late enough to wait for the Gophers to post the Big Ten box score so that yeah. I could uh, see uh, see if he went all the way. But I couldn't recall him being off the court, but he was off the court for a minute. One one thing, I know that, you know, they got four guards that can play. I would like to see Carrington play a little more. I think he's really good defensively. Yeah. He, he can hound the hell out of people. And he's, he shot the ball okay the last – two weeks or so, but, you know, who's to complain? I guess, uh, you know, who was a little rattled last night when he missed his few shots, first few shots was Christie. So we didn't see as much from him as we see most of the time. And, uh, but, uh, you know, they are, you know, without that lousy non-conference schedule, they, they would have been better off, you know, going like, Seven and four in the non-conference schedule and playing some real teams. Mm-hmm. Their and, RPI would be higher, maybe. Yeah, yeah. but uh, I mean, it's he's obviously done more than save his job here. Maybe he gets himself a, you know, he's going into his last year. Maybe they give him two more years or something like that, an extension. You know, you don't have to give in the transfer portal era. You don't have to the scam about they want to know I'm going to be there. Yeah. Is, uh doesn't count as much, but I think a little vote of confidence here would uh, would uh, do everybody well. Now, of course, you got to uh, you got to hope that uh, the the uh, transfer people with money don't say, "Boy, that Pharrell Payne sure would look good on my power forward." Well, I mean, Jamison, Jamis, that happened with Jamison Battle, obviously, and he and then this has been the year from hell for Ohio State. the The students were on him, booing yeah, him terrible, for yeah. two hours last night. Get used. He's to getting it, paid more, so he's probably he got, fine. But <laughs> supposedly he got a couple hundred grand for one year. What that? I, who can blame him? Right? Who can right. blame? Plus. He had no idea what he was walking into there. They nobody yeah. thought Ohio State was going to be this bad, and uh, you can you can just see some things with them that uh, how how they get beat all those games. They just even though they have some size up front, they you know, as I said, they get beat to the ball all the time. And I don't think it's not it's not necessarily because they're not trying. But here's the other thing: this Gopher team has really gotten a lot better. 
during the course of a year, which is a good sign for uh, the the head coach and his assistants. I know, you know, I we all know Dave Thorson from his De La Salle days and a, and a great defensive coach. But uh, from everything I hear, the other two assistants are really good too. Uh, Jenkins is uh, supposed to be terrific, and uh, and he's also their ace recruiter. So he's got a good staff with him at, at this point, and hopefully he can keep that together too. Looks mm-hmm. like the Gophers are 63rd right now on the Ken Palm. So they moved okay. up a little on. They're yeah. creeping. I, w- I would imagine, yeah. right, Pat, probably what, maybe a couple tournament wins. If they're yeah. not going to, they're not going to win the Big Ten tournament. But probably no. stay the course here in the Big Ten schedule. Win a couple tournament games. They maybe can sneak in one of those well, at large yeah. bids. Yeah, if they uh, win at Nebraska, would move them way up. But Nebraska's been playing really good. That'll be that'll be tough sledding down there on the road. And Nebraska plays a lot like them, really hard notes. So uh, that game could uh, we could be back in the sixties for that game. And and a uh, yeah. They've got they've got to get so it's they've got Nebraska on Sunday in Nebraska then at number 12 Illinois is ranked number 12 right now that's on yes. Wednesday uh home against Penn State home against Indiana at Northwestern none of these are gimmies but I think all, I mean the at Illinois you're going to chalk it up to a loss if they can get they if they can get 3 out of 5 with like a big road win at Nebraska or something and that gets you to 20 wins yes it gets you it it assures you're above 500 in conference and then you for sure win your first game in the Big 10 tournament it makes it a conversation it does yes, make it, it a conversation it does. it does they'll have it they'll be sitting there waiting to see uh what happens and uh hopefully uh you know, the tournament's here, which makes it even more fun. And uh, as I, I've been saying all along, they had to win a quarterfinal game. Maybe not. It depends. You know, if they go down and beat Nebraska, they're in the tournament if they win the games they should the rest of the way. But because uh, that'll jack them up. But uh, uh, it's, uh, you know, and it, it's it's amazing that we're in that conversation. I texted Dave Thorson way back in uh, – middle of December, and I said, you know, you guys are a lot better. You could win seven conference games. And uh, I said, you know, I said, you know, considering considering you're predicted 14th, for, yeah. you know, and you won two the year before, he said, I think we can win a whole lot more than seven. So a whole lot more than seven would be 11, right, or something. Well, they're at nine. They're at nine right now, and they're going to – well, they're at eight, I guess, after last night. The other, the other thing, too, is and I don't know if this hurts or helps them. It's it's one of the weirdest years in Big Ten basketball history oh, in yeah. that you only you only have two ranked teams. Michigan and Ohio State are the bottom two teams in the conference. Uh, meanwhile, you've got Nebraska and Northwestern in, in the top five in the conference. It's like the whole thing is just haywire. Did you see what Illinois did the other night? Seven-point lead with 36 yeah. seconds to go and <laughs> lost at Penn State. Yeah. And that guy... Brad Enderwood, he's he seems to be a bit of a volatile gentleman. I would have, uh, I think they could have. I, he might have painted the, uh, you know, knocked the paint off the wall and they losing the locker room after that one because uh, he's one of those coaches. He's got a little Bobby Huggins in him, I think. Not not quite as crazy as Bobby Huggins, but uh, I man, think he can, Bob, I think is he Bob can, Huggins still coaching? Is he still? No, coaching? he got fired because of his last DWI. Remember that's maybe? right. Remember our old producer Corey Roofs? He was covering. Oh, yeah. I think it was like the Elite Eight was in town, yes. and he was working and stringing or something. And he was sitting right behind the West Virginia bench for oh, yeah. two and a half hours. He's like the things that that guy says to teenage <laughs> kids. 
Oh well, my God. What I admired about him is he really built a good program in Cincinnati and he did it with a zero graduation rate. That's what I like. <laughs> Proudly. He never, he never had graduated a scholarship player, which was pretty impressive. Nicky Van Exel and those guys. This was a professional operation. Uh, I'm so old. I remember him when the NIT was a big deal and was played in New York, all, all in New York. And he took West Virginia either to the finals or the uh, or the or maybe they won it as a dynamic guard with great quickness. And now you look at him, you know, just a still. lug. Yeah, he's a lug. Yeah, he's he's crazy. So he, yeah, he, you're right. His last year was last year at West Virginia. He has 900 wins, man. Like oh, going God, back yeah. to since his Cincinnati was probably his best run, but yeah, which is his average number of f bombs per game, 900, yeah. which is some, <laughs> some something like that. Yeah. But anyway, hey, I, I, you know, Ben Johnson from the get go, uh, he had no chance from the get go because everybody left and they nobody gave him a chance. Nobody gave him a chance to stay or not. They all just transferred once. Once a couple of once Mashburn and some of those guys took off, and he ended up with zero veterans. And uh, it's one of the. It is. Is this a hot take? It is one of the most impressive coaching jobs in go for in my life. Nineteen eighty five on the last three years of literally yes. nothing, like you said, and now they're yeah. flirting with I an mean, NCAA tournament bid. Clem inherited the disaster, and. Uh, uh, you know, there's, you know, obviously uh, things were a couple other times they've inherited disasters, but nobody has inherited a, inherited a situation where he had no players yeah. <laughs> and he had to take guys from Lafayette and uh, no know. players and really no meaningful NIL fund to lure mm-hmm. players. Still right? doesn't, I don't think. Mm-hmm. We're still giving ninety percent of our NIL money to uh, football, I believe. So, you know, because the, the Dinky Town Collective, I haven't, I don't know what they're doing, but I haven't heard anything about them except for football. So, yeah, they get, but they're going. You know, this might get somebody. I, if I would, uh, if I was uh, now, supposedly they use got a couple of guys working now in the in the NIL department to try to help out, and this should inspire some people to give them some money. Yeah, I think yeah. This this should be on a a poster somewhere, right? Yeah, they should be. You know what they should be doing? They should be handing out the uh, the donation bucket like yes, you do on they, Sunday at church. Can you do that? Just going around Williams Arena. Yeah, they should do that. Why not? It can yeah, be cash, or there can be like a QR code for Venmo. You know, you can you can yes. Venmo however much you want. Yes, to. I still haven't figured out Venmo. Right by the way, everybody says, "Do you Venmo?" No, I said, "No, I." It's great. Out. We'll I teach cash. you. Yeah, and I don't want to be taught. I'd spend enough money the way it is without not having to have it when, <laughs> when I buy something. So this morning at 6.30 a.m. our time, Eastern, I got in a car with Dave St. Peter and John Anderson, went down to the Naples, Minnesota Club, which is uh, an outfit of you know transplants and winter people. It's been going on for 60 years. Used to be the Naples, Minnesota Men's Club. We uh, we enlivened, we uh, 
changed that about 15 years ago, I guess. You but and Augusta the, National are the, not of, you, but Naples. Yeah, a lot of old guys down there, old gopher lovers. They get PJ down there every once in a while, and he packs it in, but they kind of use that for a fundraiser. But uh, John Anderson was down there, and the other car, they had Atterbury, Perky, and Molitor, and uh, uh, they did a little uh, three guys up front asking questions. Molitor, Perkins, they were both great. John was the celebrity, you know, everybody was honoring John. He got the standing hole when he was introduced from there. They had 250, which was a big crowd for them. And uh, it was uh, it was very entertaining, a lot of fun. But uh, on the trip back, uh, John started telling some old-time stories that were uh, pretty hilarious. I mean, this guy started as the head coach in 82 because George Thomas told Paul Gill, I can't do this job half-time anymore. I need to be full-time. John's first four years coaching baseball, he also had a full-time job at Emory Air Freight. That's amazing. From 82 to 85 and was making, I think, I think he got up to 25 grand or no, he was making 15. And then when they made him head coach and he, he said, I, you know, this is when recruiting started basically. Yeah. Cause you used to just, if you were a Minnesota kid, you went to the U right. And, uh, and he, they bumped him up to 25 in uh, 86. So he then became a full-time coach, but the first four years, it was a part-time job. That's amazing. Hey, who do we know? Who's taken over for him? Do we? Is that set? Don't know. Don't know. I don't think it's. They haven't even started. I heard him say, not today, but I heard him say that his suggestion was that they figure that out and bring in his successor to be on the coaching staff for a year, and to kind of because of the transfer portal and because of the recruiting and how people swoop in and steal your players. Right. That if they knew who the next coach was, they, you know, he could start selling them immediately, but they, uh, that would have added $12 to the baseball budget. So they didn't do that. Yeah. It's tough. Yeah. Yeah. Search through the yeah. couch cushions for the baseball yes. budget. Anyway, anyway, John was uh, pretty funny. And, uh, and did you and, and John uh, then the rest of the time just, criticized Dave and the cheap poll ads the rest of the car <laughs> no, ride or what was that? No, I don't even think uh, we asked him about it. I guess we asked <laughs> him just a couple of questions. He's, uh, as we were uh, supposing yesterday, I think the TV question is a much tougher one for him than the uh, payroll question as far as with the pep. In fact, he was not asked about the payroll by any. They opened the mic to this room at 250. Nobody asked about payroll, but he was asked about the TV situation rather candidly. And well, and now we have it. kind of, now we know the Diamondbacks came out yesterday with a $100 for the season and you can stream Diamondbacks games. So now we can start to do the math on, all right, so the, the Diamondbacks were getting $60 million a year, or maybe even more than that. This The report I saw was from three years ago. They were getting $60 million a year in their Bally's deal that went kaput. So can they get 600,000 subscribers to no. pay $100? I mean, that's it's it's a math game for these ball yes. clubs. Now. Yeah, it is. And this is a team that, if you don't recall, went to the World Series. So 
Yeah. The only other time there's been Diamondbacks fever was after 2001. And uh, if uh, if that's the best they can do, then I don't, you know, here's the thing about the Twins not signing pitchers to a long-term contract. I think if it was, if they could sign a guy for one year, and I'm not talking 30, but 20, they would do it. But what they don't want is the four-year deal where it's, uh, you know, 25, 20, you know, 20, 25, 28, 32, because they have no idea how much TV money they're going to be bringing in next year. If they do what, you know, MLB, when they said that, uh, when, when Provis came out and St. Peter kind of reaffirmed it, that we're going to have a streaming option, they were, they were basically taking the word of MLB that this this was going to be happening. And then MLB later said, no, it's not happening yet. Maybe 2025. But if MLB starts from scratch with this streaming thing next year, there's no way you're going to be getting, you know, anything near the 52 you were getting or 55 or whatever it was. But then you'd probably put, I think what the, so what the Diamondbacks did last year, now, I will say this. MLB has the the technological infrastructure and the Diamondbacks are tapping into it. Halfway through last year when their Bally's deal went kaput, MLB came in and said, "We'll produce it, we'll distribute, we'll worry about a paywall next year." And then they put the they for the for the linear crowd like the cable subscribers or the regular TV people, they just found a local broadcast partner like yeah, the local right. ABC affiliate. So I think the model is going to have to become a straight to consumer MLB packaged yeah. yes. deal for a hundred bucks a year. And that'll, and, and then it's a math game. Do a hundred thousand people sign up? That's 10 million. And then can you put your games on channel 45 or somewhere? And then how much ad revenue can you bring in off of? Well, just they're going to the try games? to get, I suppose they're going to try to get 10 million people around the country and split it up, except Nesson. Yep. Yes. The Dodgers, they're not all going to be in on it. You know, you're not going to get, you know, yep. Nesson's not, I know Nesson is probably suffering some of the same problems as everybody else, and they aren't the absolute money-making machine they were, but they're still, make, the Red Sox are still making a hell of a lot more money than anybody, than the other people, and the Dodgers, obviously, are making incredible money, and the Yankees, and they aren't going to be part of it, so you're going to get everybody, but the, the big glamour teams aren't yeah. going to be. It'll be 20 teams back. and they'll have a, like a, some sort of revenue sh- share between the 20 teams. Right. Yes. Yeah. And you know, somebody asked me this question today down at that uh, thing. And I, and I, I agreed with him. He said, when cable was dying, why didn't they start? Why didn't they start to worry about this five, six years ago? It's when every good. time you looked at the stats, Cable was losing 8% of its audience annually, right? Yeah. You know, you knew in 2018 that this was going south. And I, I kind of blame, I suppose you just ride it out and hope it lasts as long, but you got to start, you know, the, you know, you fix the game now you got the, you got the clock. Yeah. And, uh, you know, one, uh, thing that I, I missed this. You can't block a base with a knee now on a steal or something like that. You know, they've, you know, you can't, you could, they put this in. So you're not supposed to block a knee. And Rocco was talking about it yesterday. 
And he says they'd showed him examples, and it's supposed to be egregious, uh, you know, to do this before they call it, but there's no replay, no replay on this one. Wow. And it's, and I said, listen, let me give you my opinion, Rock. These umpires are going to be in a contest to see who can call it first. That's yeah. your problem. That's your, when you come up with something like this, they want to show you the, this year's version of, uh, you know, the, what, what's the first baseman that tried to strip search, uh, the, uh, Don, Dan Bolino, he won't, oh. he won't be able to wait calling it eight times to become <laughs> Mr. You block the base. I said, you can't trust them. Yeah. You can't trust the umpires. Don't remember when they first started, you can't block the plate. And they were reviewing the guy 25 feet. Uh, the guy was 25 feet from home and somebody put his foot in front of the base and they called him safe. Yeah. It's ridiculous. It's, yeah, yeah. Just, you know, it, it's supposed to be dangerous when you drop your knee down in front of the base. Well, I've been doing it for a hundred years, but, uh, but I mean, yeah. you're trusting the umpire. Don't trust the umpires. They, they don't they, I, I got a lot of, I got friends, Tita, Jeff Nelson, great guys. They wouldn't do this, but there's, there's 20 egos in the major league umpire and who won't be able to wait to call that. Right. A hundred percent. Yeah. And one more question for you, Pat. Uh, if you happen to be driving around Naples with you know baseball luminaries like John Anderson and Dave St. Peter, what car would you generally recommend driving around in baseball luminaries? I would drive around in the same car that I did today with Dave St. Peter at the wheel. We had a Buick. And it, was, it wasn't an SUV, but it seemed like one. I guess it was an SUV. It was a medium-sized SUV. Yeah. Rode very smoothly. Even St. Pete, with us trying to distract him, did a great job uh, driving this uh, machine straight. And if you want to get yourself a fine SUV, you go to Jim Paul and Brett Paul's Valley Group of GM dealers, Apple Valley and Hastings. They got them all sizes, from the smaller one to the bigger one. If you're a hockey parent, Obviously, you're going to go for either the midsize or the large size because you're all crazy about how much equipment you want to throw in the back of this thing. But uh, you know, they'll make you a good deal. Right now, interest rates are low. Inventory is in good shape at the Valley Group of GM dealers. Apple Valley and Hastings, check them out. I do about every two years. Yeah. Awesome. All right, Pat. Well, enjoy your weekend in the fort. We got baseball finally. Baseball's back. Gophers and Twins tonight, and we'll we'll recap with you next week. Yes. All right. Thank you. All Thanks, right. Pat. There he is. Roycey Unchained here on Score North.